Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Deborah Jean Asbury was a 26-year-old from Lexington, North Carolina. She was the mother of four and had several brothers and sisters. On the morning of September 26, 1994, Deborah was to meet the father of one of her children at a nearby store. She never arrived. In fact, no one even saw Deborah leave her house. She was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. I'm sure many of you saw the title of this episode and thought, hey, I've seen that movie. 1991, Julia Roberts, Kevin Anderson, Patrick Bergen. I've seen it too. It grossed $175 million on a $19 million budget. Yes, it did well. And for us true crime people, that movie, better than almost any other, illustrates one of the main concepts of missing persons cases. Relationships are the number one cause of violence and disappearances. The odds of being murdered by a stranger are much lower than the odds of experiencing harm from someone you've known for years. It doesn't make sense, but that's what the stats say. Well, in the case of Deborah Asbury, from what I've read in getting to understand her disappearance, there have been two main suspects known to the public for the last 25 years, and Deborah had slept with both men. She had three kids by one and one by the other, and you will hear how both had turbulent encounters with Deborah right up until September 1994. Yet in covering this case, we at Unfound believe there was someone new to look at in regards to this disappearance, and it could be Deborah, right up until the very morning she disappeared, could have literally been sleeping with the enemy. And now a summary of the case, this is brought to you by my friend Megan Goodsight, Charlie Project, dot org. Deborah Asbury, in the couple years before she disappeared, had a lot going on in her life. She had four children, including a two-year-old and a six-month-old. She had moved into a rented house with her kids, her sister, and her sister's children, and Deborah had finally broken away from two men with whom she had turbulent relationships, although they managed to harass Deborah on occasion. After one of those occasions, on the morning of September 26, 1994, Deborah was to meet one of those men, Andy Probst, 
at a nearby store to return some shorts. Why? Because not long before that, during a fight, Andy had burned all of Deborah's clothes. Yet he apologized after this incident, bought her new ones, but the shorts didn't fit. Well, when Deborah's sister Teresa got up that morning, Deborah was already gone. Teresa took for granted that Deborah had gone to meet Andy. However, Deborah never arrived at the store. Witnesses alleged they saw Andy at the store, but not Deborah. The shorts were never returned. She was never seen again. The last 25 years have had many people point the finger at the main two known men in Deborah's life. The questions still remain. Number one, if Deborah went to the store that day, why didn't anyone see her walking down the street? Number two, why were items left behind in the house that Deborah would have taken with her if she left? And number three, why have stories changed throughout the years as to who was and wasn't at the house when Deborah was discovered to be missing? Deborah's family believes foul play is involved. However, they differ on who the actual culprit is. The guest for this episode is Deborah Asbury's daughter, Courtney Patterson. Unfound news. You might have heard I once again managed to mess up the Patreon live show this past Sunday night. My fault. Again. I didn't go live until about 45 minutes after I was supposed to. We ended up having a good discussion, but I was very frustrated. And I want to thank those viewers who stuck around despite the problems. It's going to be better this week. I promise. Next, the February newsletter went out last weekend. Did you get it? If not, please contact me privately either through Messenger or Unfound's email address, and I will get you on the list. And finally, I need to thank the guest for this episode, Courtney Patterson, who agreed to do this interview on very short notice when the originally planned guest backed out just two days ago. Thank you, Courtney. Where you can find Unfound. Unfound supports accounts on Podomatic, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Contribute to Unfound at patreon.com forward slash unfoundpodcast. This week I need to thank Susan. You can also contribute at PayPal, unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. And this week I need to thank Barbara. That's also the email address. The website, unfoundpodcast.com. Merchandise, the books at Amazon.com in both ebook and print form. Don't forget the reviews. Shirts at myshopify.com forward slash unfound podcast. Cards at makeplayingcards.com forward slash sell forward slash unfound podcast. And please mention unfound at all true crime websites and forums. Thank you. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound the daughter of Deborah Asbury, Courtney Patterson. Courtney, welcome to Unfound. Thank you. I want to remind everybody before we start that Courtney was only two years old when her mother disappeared. So some of the things that we're going to talk about in this interview 
are come from conversations that Courtney had with some of her family members. Some of these things after 25 years, some of them can't be necessarily proven. I'm not saying people are lying, but we just have to remember that Courtney was only two, two at the time. So she wasn't a witness to some of these things or any of these things, but she's done some good work. Uh, over the last uh, past few years, and that's why she is on the program. So, Courtney, welcome. I uh, appreciate it. <clears throat> what have you? What has your family told you about your mother, Deborah? Her personality, her interests. Do you look like her? Anything like that? What can you tell the listeners that you've heard? Um, she was a very loving person. Um, she would she would do anything for anybody she would give her shirt off the back that she had on just to help somebody else um she was very very adamant about taking care of her kids and making sure they had everything they needed and she would she would just love to spend time with us it was always about us it was never about anybody else or anything else Mm -hmm. and that she just she was one of those very outgoing people. She she had a a big heart, pretty much. She wanted to be around everybody, and she wanted to to talk to everybody. And if there was a problem, she wanted to help fix it, type thing. Mm-hmm. And we have to remember that Deborah had several siblings, right? Some full yes. siblings, some half siblings. How many in total? Whew, it's a lot. I think it's somewhere <laughs> between eight and ten. <laughs> wow! Wow! And do you know all of them? Do you keep in touch with uh, if they're still alive? Do you keep in touch with them? Um, for the most part, yeah. Um, some of them they don't really talk a whole lot, but a lot of them have jobs or other lives mm-hmm. that they can't really communicate very well. Okay. All right. And of course, you are not your mother's only child. She has uh, three other kids. Um, maybe just their first names. What are their names? It's April, Christy, and Brittany. Okay. And are some of them um, full-blooded siblings or half, like stepsisters, stepbrothers, or what is that? What's the situation? Um, my, my older two, April and Christy, are full-blooded sisters, and then Brittany is my half-sister. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> and so um, being that you've been doing this, and we're going to get into how you got into doing this, are they as into trying to figure out what happened to Deborah as you are? <laughs> It's complicated. They want it's complicated. to know. Mm-hmm. They want to know, but they don't want the in between the the things that could come about. I guess. Um, right. They want to know the answers, but they don't want to do the digging. If that makes right. sense. No, and I, I and the listeners shouldn't, um, you know, take uh, too much of that to heart because most families are like that. There are some children who are trying to find their parents. Some are interested. Some think th- some think it hurts too much. Um, it's very common. It just depends on the person. So it's not surprising, you know. And I would tell you, Courtney, that um, I'm not surprised by that. You know, that sounds very common in my experience. So, okay. Um, how long have you been working at this, trying to figure out what happened to your mother? Um, almost 10 years. Almost 10 years. Okay. So um, probably like when you were back as still a teenager. Yes. I was 16 years old when I first found out that she was a missing person. Okay. 
And how did you find that out? My mom's side of the family. Um, I had met them for the first time that I could remember meeting them. Um, and I asked questions. I was like, you know, what happened to my mom? Where is she now? Mm -hmm. And that's when they told me, hey, she's a missing person. Didn't you know this? And I was like, no. Huh. Okay. What did you think to that point uh, happened to her? Where did you think she was? I had no idea, honestly. It was just, we didn't have any information there. We never talked about it. We never discussed it. It was just, she wasn't there. Huh. Interesting. So, so once that happened, you started getting into this even before, you know, you got out of your teenage years. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Using the internet and what other, whatever other resources. Right. Okay. And over the last 10 years, how would you say you've learned the most about your mother's disappearance um, from the police, from family, from friends? Um, who would you say has helped you the most and, and in what capacity? Um, I would have to say my mom's family. They, mm -hmm. Any questions I have, they, they, if they don't remember, they tell me, hey, ask this person, they should remember. Um, but then there's the police department, too. They've been a somewhat big help, too, because they can state facts, not just the hearsay. So they, they are helpful in the sense of who the suspects could be or what could have happened, what scenario they are thinking happened. Mm -hmm. And just the detailed things that most people wouldn't have the answers to. Okay. Do you remember the first time you went to the police station and asked about your mother's disappearance? Do you remember that? Somewhat. Somewhat. Okay. Uh, do you think that they were a little stunned? I mean, that would, if it was 10 years ago, that the case would have been 15 years old at the time. Um, they must have been a little stunned, maybe, that you just came in off the sidewalk asking about a case that was 15 years old. Um, do you, once again, do you remember that? I do. Um, I had actually, I think I called up there first and I had asked to speak to the lead detective on her case. And I did not know who I was going to be talking to. I did not know what I was getting into, but, and mm -hmm. I also did not have the answers to that. Um, so I call up there and they tell me that it is Detective Scarborough and that he had been the lead detective on her case since she went missing. So he would have all the answers to any of the questions I have. Okay. How did, um, I mean, of course, you've already talked about your siblings, but maybe some of your mother's siblings, how did they feel that you were going to be uh, getting into this as a teenager? I, 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 I'm guessing for those 15 years, did anybody else in your family try to do anything? Yes, they, um, they did. Okay. Okay. Who would you say was heading up? Uh, it until you came along 10 years ago for those first 15 years um, who kind of kept it alive at least a little bit most of her brothers and sisters okay okay but you're the main person now you'd say yes okay all right so they were supportive those people who had been working on it for that time they were supportive that you were getting involved absolutely okay good that's good to have support and have you met any of your mother's friends have you, over the last 10 years to talk to them about what was going on with her back in 1994? A few of them, yes. A few of them. Okay. Do you think they've been uh, – have they been helpful? More so on memories, um, what, what kind of person she was and who she was and 
what mm-hmm. she liked to do and the fun she had. And a lot of them would tell me, you know, she was all about her kids. It was always all about her kids because she'd never done anything without thinking of them first. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now we're going to go through some names. Uh, we're just going to cover them in general for now. <laughs> um, we'll be talking a, a lot about them a little later, but um, it's important for that, for the listeners to understand who these people are in general uh, before we get into it, because once we start throwing names around, I don't want anybody to be confused. But uh, the first name, uh, just in general, who is Andy Propst? That would be my father. Okay. And um, he and your mother were together for how many years? Do you know? Um, how did they meet? Do you know? Um. Kind of, but not really. I'm assuming they had to be together for a while because they had three daughters together. And you're looking at a three-year difference between me me and both of my sisters, both of my older sisters. We There's a three-year difference between each of us. So that's a good nine, ten years at least. Okay. So they were together for a while. Yes. Okay. And um, their relationship was a little rocky though, wasn't it? It was. Okay. All right. We will get into that uh, specifically in a bit. Tracy Asbury, of course, that is your mother's uh, last name, at least on file. Who is he? He is actually her husband. Okay. So she was married to him when she disappeared. Yes. Okay. And so I'm guessing that were you was Andy and your mother married or did they just live together had three kids together or were they married they they were just dating they just had three kids together uh, okay and do you remember what year uh Tracy and Deborah got married of course she disappeared in 1994 what year do you believe they got married i'm really not sure on that one okay do you do you think that they were married for very long before no. not for very because they did have what a six month year old six month old together yes okay so just don't know maybe they were married a year maybe maybe less than that and what was the status of their relationship at the time she disappeared they were not together they were separated okay very good the next name homer purdue who's he he was a Roommate and a friend of both my mom's and some of the family members as well. Okay. And he was living at the house? Yes. And we'll get into who all was living in the house. But at the time that your mother disappeared, he was one of the people, several uh, humans living in the in the house, just a few adults. But he was one of them living in this house. Yes. Okay. And had he been a... Uh, you learned that he had been a friend of the family for a long time? For quite some time, yes. Okay, and so would you say in your experience what you've learned that, for example, um, Deborah's brothers and sisters knew him, you know, from yes. around just from around the Lexington area? Yes, they did. Okay. And um, finally, uh, you have Aunt Teresa, so I, I guess this is Deborah's sister. Um, maybe you just want to tell the listeners a little bit about her. Yes, she's my mom's sister. Um, she, I think, is her younger sister, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And they are full-blooded sisters. They're not half-sisters. Um, Mm -hmm. 
she was pregnant at the time I was told six to seven months pregnant hmm. in that vicinity. Um, and she also had a two-year-old at the time as well. Wow. Okay. So you were two with Deborah, and then your Aunt Teresa also had a two-year-old about your age. Yes. <laughs> okay. So let's just go through this then. So in the house where your mother disappeared from, where she was living when she disappeared, who were the people living in that house? It was my mom, me, all three of my sisters, Homer, my Aunt Teresa, and then my cousin, who would be Teresa's son. Okay, and he was the two-year-old? Yes. Okay, so we got a lot of people in this house. Must have been a little cramped. I'm or... assuming so because it's a small house. <laughs> okay, it's a small house. Okay, and that house is still there to this day. Yes. In fact, you told me coincidentally that your husband's – some of his extended family have lived in that house. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Right. Okay. Maybe we'll get into that a little later. So you, they, you and the rest of them, of course, you don't remember much. Uh, we're all living in this house at the time of uh, the disappearance. Do you have any idea how long uh, – was it your mother, Deborah, who first found the house and then moved Teresa and everybody in, or was it one of these other people? It was my mom. It was your mom. Okay, and so she invited Teresa and her child and then Homer, who – he uh, I don't know if he had any kids or not, but – he was living there by by himself, not by himself, but he was the lone male in the uh, house. Correct. Okay. So they're all living in this house, and do you have any idea how long they were in there before she disappeared? I'm really not sure. I don't think it was that long. Not long. Okay. So let's move up. So we have the some of the names that the listeners are going to be hearing uh, very shortly. Um, what have you learned about the days and weeks before she disappeared? What was going on in your um, mother's life? And before I, uh, before you answer, listeners should know that um, some of these things could, you know, cannot be verified after 25 years, really because, of course, Courtney was only two at the time. These are things that uh, her family has told her, so we are inclined to believe them, but – um, we don't have any paperwork to show anybody that some of these things happened. How would you explain what was going on those days and weeks before? It was very hectic for my mom. Um, there was several incidents that occurred in the weeks following up to her going missing. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was things like all of her clothes being destroyed, a couch being set on fire on her porch, um, <clears throat> her mm -hmm. car getting messed up and totaled and, it was just multiple incidents where something in the property was being destroyed. And this was instigated by who? Um, both my dad and my stepdad, all right, Tracy so, and Andy. All right, so Andy and Tracy. Um, any reason for this? Uh, do you think either of them were upset because she had moved out and got her own place? and, Or, frankly, did she do something to them? Or... How do you look at it now? What, do you, what have you been told? What have uh, maybe for being that Teresa was around at the time and living there, maybe some of the other brothers and sisters, uh, what was the instigation for all this? I'm assuming just angry, um, angry that she wanted to be alone and didn't want to be with anybody. 
she wanted her own space. She wanted her own freedom and she didn't want anybody trying to hold her down. Mm-hmm. Now, being that uh, both of these guys were doing these things, are they friends? I honestly don't think so, but I'm not really sure. Okay. There's nothing that you've been told by your family that could be construed to believe that, you know, she was with Andy and then threw him over for his, let's just, as an example, his best friend Tracy and then got married to him or something Anything like that that you've ever heard? No, it was no. she. She had been with my dad all those years, and then she met Tracy, mm-hmm. and apparently they they had the hots for each other and went after each mm-hmm. other. Okay. To your knowledge, once again, in dealing with the police department you have over the last ten years, do you think that they are uh, were aware at the time in 1994, and do you? Do you believe that they're aware now in 2019 that some of these things went on before she disappeared? Have you ever talked to the cops about any of these incidents? Yes. <clears throat> okay. Uh, what have they said about them? Do they have any records? Anybody call 911 and any of this? But uh, anything like that? Um, I have recently spoke with them, and they told me that they do not have any records of any incidents that happened the week following up to that. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, so once again, as I told the listeners, it's a little tough after all this time you know, to verify some of these things. Once again, we're not saying they didn't happen, but um, being that she went missing, it certainly does seem that maybe some of these things could have been the lead up to something like that. We're not pointing any of the fingers, but these sound like some serious things, especially with a couch being burned on a front porch. Could have burned the house down. Right. Okay. How have you talked to your Aunt Teresa about this? How was your um, mother handling all this? What do they remember? How was she uh, emotionally handling all this? Um, by what I gathered, she was fearful um, of of the whole situation. She didn't want anything to happen to us kids or her, but mm. she was just really fearful of the situation because if they're setting things on fire and, and destroying things on her property, you know, she was probably worried that, you know, things are going to get worse before they get better. And apparently they did. I mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned not just the couch burning, but her clothes were burned. And that's going to be a play a part in the actual day she disappeared. How did that happen? How, do, how does somebody's all of their clothes get destroyed? Um, <laughs> good question. <laughs> um. I, I guess it was just something that just happened. I mean, I don't I don't know why you would go after somebody's clothes, but apparently mm-hmm. it just happened, and she didn't have any clothes. So I, I was told that they were destroyed, and then her waterbed was split open, and all of the clothes were placed inside of the waterbed. So, and this was, uh, we have to be frank, that uh, this was done by your father, your biological father, Andy. Okay. Right. Have you ever talked to him about this this particular incident? We understand it was 25 years ago. We understand that people sometimes do things, and I, I think we're going to hear later that he tried to kind of make up for it. But did did he break into the house? Did she invite him in? I I'm not sure. That part I didn't get. Okay. And in fact, he doesn't like to talk too much about that time back then, does he? No. Okay. All right. <clears throat> 
All right, so there were these things going on. She's trying to live on her own. She's getting some help, some family help from her sister Teresa. Um, and then she has this guy Homer there too. Doesn't seem though like he's providing a lot of uh, protection there though, even though he is a family friend because these things are going on. Correct. I mean, it doesn't seem. Okay. So what do we know about September 26th? So it comes up to that day, September 26, 1994. Uh, what have you learned, the, you know, the facts and times and things about, you know, the step-by-step -step of that day? Um, she had took my older sisters to school. April and Christy went to school that morning. April was, I think, in second grade, and Christy was in kindergarten. And so she took them with Homer's van to the school and dropped them off. And when she come back, she said that she was going to meet my dad up at the corner store to return or exchange some clothes that she had gotten. And that was it. That was that was really all I got out of that. That was actual facts. Nobody seen her walking down the road. Nobody seen her come back out of the house once she went back in from dropping my sisters off at school. Okay. <laughs> and the reason that she was returning these clothes, this all had to do with the with the burning of clothes incident that we've already talked about. Yes. Okay. And is it your uh, opinion, the way you look at it is that uh, Andy, your father, destroyed those clothes and then he bought new clothes for her? Yes. It is. Okay. And some things didn't fit. Right. It was either something didn't fit or there was those the tags with the ink in them that if you rip them off without them letting the cashier do it, that it would get ink everywhere. It was mm. something along those lines. They returned because one of those still had it on there or something. It was something along those lines, yes. Okay. So she, just so we're clear, so ask you some questions. Your father was not planning to pick her up at her house. She was going to meet him somewhere. Yes. Okay. And you already said this, but I want to ask you again. Did anybody see her walking down the street? What kind of community is this where she was living? Are the houses close together? How far she would have had to walk? What do you know about that? Um, the houses are very close together. And the area that she was living in then, I know now, and in the time that I can remember, it is a very, very busy road. It is not like there's no traffic through there. I mean, daily you, you see millions of cars coming through there because it's off of Fifth Avenue, which is a very direct street to a mm. lot of different places. Mm hmm. Okay. So it, it was very busy, yes. Okay. And how far would you have to say that she had to walk to get to where she was meeting your father? A mile, maybe two miles. It wasn't wow. too far, but it was a, I mean, it was a pretty good walk because the, the road that she lived on is a pretty good distance to get down it from her house. Okay. And then once you get to the end of that road, you're having to make a right turn and then you're having to go up the road some there too. Okay. Did she not have a car or did no, she? No, she did not. She did not. How did she take the kids to school that morning? Do you know? She used Homer's van. She used Homer's van. Okay. So Homer's there. He has... It's it's a work van of some type, like a like a a, a cargo van or something. Yes. Okay. And did ter did uh, Teresa have a car? Not that I'm aware of, no. Okay. So they get up. She takes uh, some kids to school. Comes back seemingly. Um, that's part of the story. 
and then something happens. She never does meet your father at that store to return those clothes. Um, your aunt, though, gets up a little later, and what does she say? Um, her story is that she, when she woke up, it was several hours after my mom said she was leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, that my mom had lo- laid a roast on the, the side of the counter or something for dinner that night. And that she noticed that my mom hadn't returned yet. Okay. Did she, and I know you've, of course, it's like it's been 25 years. You've been working on this for 10 years, and you probably talked to Teresa at least a couple times. Did she notice, and we'll get into some of the really intricate details, but just in general, did she notice anything that was wrong in the house? No. Nothing. Okay. Was Homer there when she got up? No. All right. She says that he wasn't. Okay. So who would have been in the house at the time? You would have been there as a two-year-old? Yes. Okay. So it would have been you. And who else? It would have been me, my Aunt Teresa, my cousin, and then my little sister. Or the six-month-old. Yes. All right. So three uh, small children and your aunt. Okay. She didn't expect anything or suspect anything was wrong. Didn't see anything that was overtly strange, but we'll get into that in a moment. Um, when did, once again, you're understanding what you were told, when did people start to worry about, um, Deborah? Um, Mont Teresa claims it was that evening when she didn't return back home. Mm-hmm. Um, but she didn't really tell anybody that my mom never returned. It was the next day that she filed the missing persons report. Okay. So your aunt did. Yes. Okay. Do you know if she called anybody? Uh, maybe it's even a, a, a decent question to your knowledge, being that Deborah was supposed to meet your father's name's Andy at this store. Did he ever drive over to the house to see why she didn't show up? Did he ever call the house back then? It would have probably been from a payphone, anything like that to see why Deborah didn't show up. No, um, she claims that she called a few people mm-hmm. among the family and was asking if any of them had seen her that day. She did not call and ask my dad if he met her that morning until that night, um, the night that she went missing. They called my grandmother's house and asked if my dad had ever seen Deborah that day. Mm-hmm. And he said no, that he hadn't seen her that day. Okay. And did he verify that he was supposed to meet her that day? Yes. Okay. So he just thought she blew him off? Um, by what he told me, it was, he was waiting for her to call. She was supposed to call him and let him know when she was going to walk up there Mm -hmm. and she never called. Hmm. So he never went. I see. Okay. Okay. Well, that's interesting. We'll talk about that maybe a little later. Okay. And so she didn't call him. So he didn't drive down there. And that was that. Um, so that more, that, that evening we go into the next day what about homer did he come home eventually and did she ask him if he saw her that morning when he left you know what did he have to say maybe that day do you know i honestly have no idea nobody really speaks about this man this man is like a ghost pretty much nobody Mm -hmm. knows anything or remembers anything that he said or done right and yeah and i would uh kind of agree with you on that because, uh, you know, you look at any of the published reports, 
of your mother's disappearance that have been done, his name doesn't come up at all as being, you know, as being in the house or anything. Whereas, of course, your father and Tracy's names uh, are all over the place. All right, so we don't know what he thought. We don't know when he left. We don't know when he come, came back. Nothing. So the police uh, the next day uh, were called. A report is filed. And can the police do anything? Do they talk to anybody? Um, it should be known that Andy and Tracy uh, have criminal records, so the police are going to talk to them anyway. What all went down there, as you understand it, way back when? Um, they were both questioned and given lie detector tests um, on the situation. And as far as I know, they were both, you know, pretty much cleared, but in the same sense, they weren't. Um, mm -hmm. Tracy come off as the, the perfect husband. He didn't do anything wrong at all to her. And then my dad was like the guilty one. Everybody pushed it on him. Why do you, why do you think that is? Well, probably because his record is a lot longer than most. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, fair enough. And uh, it also maybe has to do with the idea that he was supposed to be meeting her that day. That's certainly well, of course, yes. doesn't help his cause. You know, he was in the area. It's not like he was in California when she disappeared. Right. So he was supposed to meet her, and and uh, we know that um, sometimes when men and women get together in situations like that, something bad does happen. You know, so that's that seems sensible. But you're saying that they were given lie detector tests. Do you know for sure what the results of those were? For sure? Or what you've um, been told or what? I, I can't remember which one of them, but one of them passed the test and one was inconclusive. But I can't remember who, who's, whose was whose on that. Okay. And I do have it in my notes here that your dad said that at the time, in 1994, he had been questioned for many hours. Yes. Regarding Deborah's disappearance, um, but uh, of course, this case is still unsolved. No deeds charged. So it seems, after 25 years, that Andy uh, and Tracy, there's been no evidence against them. We know that Andy is still alive. Is Tracy still alive? Yes, he is. Okay. And we don't know about Homer uh, for that day. Were there any searches done? Uh, did anybody go like go, go house to house in that community? Um, did anybody see Deborah that day at all? No. All right. So really the last – and am I understand that Teresa did not see her when she came back from school? She did. She did. Um, she did. My, my mother told her that she was going to meet my dad at the okay. store to go to the clothing store or whatever, and that she would be back around lunchtime mm -hmm. to have herself and the kids ready to go out because they had to get stuff for the baby shower because Teresa was pregnant, and they were going to throw a baby shower for her that evening. Okay. And she never come back. Okay. But – Teresa never saw her leave the house either. No, she said that she remembers hearing the door close, and when she heard the door close, she went back to sleep. Okay. Okay. And and Teresa still claims that Homer was not there. Yes. Okay. So after your mother disappeared, uh, who raised you, Courtney? My dad. 
My dad raised me and my older two sisters. All right, so he did. Are you surprised that you were given to him or that it wasn't given to – being that he was considered a suspect at least at the time. We don't know that it, the, the way it is now, but you weren't raised by your aunt or maybe some of your other aunts and uncles. Um, I, I'm not sure. I mean I, I would have to say that you know I understood why they gave us to him. He is our dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could understand why they didn't give us to our aunts and uncles. I mean, they had kids of their own and stuff as well. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's not like they could take on four more kids. Okay. How did your, how did Deborah's parents react to this? Your grandparents? What have you, from what you've been told? They were devastated. Um, I never got a chance to really know my grandmother because she passed shortly after it was almost a year or two after my mom went missing my grandmother passed Hmm. and my grandfather I have had the chance to talk with him about this and it was devastating to him up until the day he died it was it was just awful he he would cry he would he would just say you know I wish I knew where my daughter was Mm -hmm. well being that he's not here uh so maybe you can speak for him uh did he ever tell you his opinion on what happened um not really i mean just like everybody else he he had somebody to blame but mm-hmm. by the time that he passed he was changing his thoughts was um he was and and i guess that was because of the questions that i had already raised and i had done looked and dug into some other things and it changed mm-hmm. his thinking okay that's interesting Okay. So your mother's missing. Um, do Teresa and Homer continue to live in that house? Do they, being that she was, Deborah was the person who signed the lease on the rental agreement, do they have to move out? Do you know anything about that? I'm not really sure about Homer, but I was told that Teresa was not wanting to stay in the house um, with without me and my sisters. She, and my mom, of course, but she she just moved back home to her apartment or house or whatever with her son. She did um, not stay in the house. But as far as Homer goes, I'm really not sure. Okay. Okay. And then we know after that you were given to your father. You were raised by him. And uh, this case kind of um, continued. Some of the siblings tried to do some things, and then you got involved about 10 years ago. So let's talk about uh, the rest of the case. Let's talk about uh, the house. I'll ask you this again. The way that your aunt, being that she was in the house, she was the first one to recognize that Deborah was missing. Did she notice any signs of violence in the house? Not signs of violence, but she knew something was wrong. Um, okay. I, I wasn't even thinking when you asked me that the first time, but mm-hmm. her purse, her keys, and her ID was left along with the, the jeans or the shorts that she was supposed to have returned. Um, they were left on the counter like she had no intentions of taking them to begin with. Huh. Okay, and we also have to remember these are the days before cell phones. So there's no we can't talk about any cell phone evidence or anything, but so her purse and most importantly, I think in my mind, was the piece of uh, clothing that she was going to be tra- returning. It was still there. Correct. And do you believe that the, the police still have those? Do they have them in evidence or all these years later? Do you know? They have told me they do. 
They do. Okay, so although there were no signs of violence, there were some things left in the house that your mother probably would have taken if she was headed to the store. I mean, almost 100%, you know, 99.9999%, especially this piece of clothing, and it was still there. Absolutely, yes. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Um, you could look at that and say, wonder if she ever left the house. Maybe she just walked outside and encountered somebody out in the yard or, or something like that. But it doesn't seem to me that she was headed to the store when she disappeared. No, not okay. to me either. Okay. We already talked about the neighbors. Um, do you think under normal circumstances they would have seen her? What yes. day of the week? What day of the week was this? A Monday. A Monday. And what time do you think that she would have been leaving her house to walk down there? It would have had to have been sometime after 8, 8 a.m. because my sisters had to be in school, so she had to have them there probably by 7.45, 7.50-ish just to make sure they were there on time. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at anywhere between 8 and 9 a.m. Okay. And there are many houses in there, and under normal circumstances, you think that somebody would have seen her if she walked, Absolutely. if she had to walk. Of course, she, of course, if she jumps in a car, then anything's possible. Um. Maybe I should ask you that. Uh, any sightings of your father's car, frankly, at the house, of Tracy's car, any suspicious cars that they saw? Nope, none at all. None at all. No suspicious cars. She wasn't seen walking. And those people that lived there 25 years ago, do you know if many of them still live there in that neighborhood or do you know? Um, I know that the landlord to the home that my mom was living in still lives in her current home. Mm -hmm. um, she was living there then as well as she is now. Um, I have been told that there was an old man who lived somewhere across the street, which me and my husband went knocking door to door trying to find this old man with no luck. Um, but he was the one who told the police that morning that he's seen her take my sisters to school. He's seen her come back home. He's seen her walk back in the house with her keys in her purse, but he never seen her anymore that day. And he was outside 24-7. He would have seen her leave, especially if she was walking. Okay. What does your father have to say about that day? I know, once again, that he doesn't like to talk about it too much, and maybe he doesn't want to because he did some things back then that uh, aren't very nice. But... He, what is his uh, statement again for that day? Um, he told me that they were supposed to be meeting up at this store and that he was going to take her back to the store to do something with these pants. And he said that she was supposed he had seen her at a different gas station the day before. And when he seen her then, he told her to call him in the morning and he would take her to return them. And he said that he waited for her to call and she never did. So he never went to the store to meet her. Okay. Now, on the other hand, though, uh, I know I've read in believable reports that somebody says they saw him at the store that day. What do you think about that? Um, it, it's possible. I'm not saying it's not, but I've went to that same store and I spoke with the man who runs the store. And he said at that point in time, they did not have cameras pointing on that side of the building or they were not working in general. Mm hmm. So they have no actual proof that he was in that parking lot. Okay. 
So somebody saw him there, the eyewitness could be wrong. Could be. Could be so, totally somebody else that maybe looks like your father, you know, maybe similar car or something like that. So we don't know we don't know whether to believe this witness or not. No. Okay. And but just to be clear, nobody claimed to have seen Deborah at the store. No. Okay. The the man that runs that store specifically said he'd never seen her that morning, that she was a normal in his store, so he would have recognized her coming up the road. Okay. Now, we do have to be honest. You've already stated that your, your father does have a criminal record. Had he been in jail before your mother disappeared? Yes. Okay. Anything, any charges that you would call violent? Um... I don't know if you could really call him violent. The ones that I, I know that he has are are pretty much um, stalking charges, I guess you could call them, um, mm -hmm. harassing phone calls, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but most of what he had before was like felony B&Es and, and just little things like that, like just robbery, common law robbery, things like that. Okay. Okay. And drugs. Drugs was one of them okay. also. Okay. And stalking charges, was that against Deborah? Or was that stalking Deborah, or was it stalking somebody else? I'm not really sure. Okay. Um, what does he say about to, What does he say about those days now, today? And I know you've talked to him recently about this. What does he say? Pretty much that you know whatever he told the police department then, when she first went missing, he stands by his story now. And until there is evidence there to prove that he done something to her, then he's not going to keep listening to it because he's been accused for this for almost 25 years. Mm -hmm. That's but right. He, he, he says that he, he never went to meet her at this store. So it's impossible for him to have done something to her if he never seen her that day. Okay, fair enough. Uh, your stepfather, or I guess let's just call him Deborah's husband at the time, Tracy. Do you know what his alibi is for that day? And what does he have to say about that day? Have you had a chance to talk to him? Um, no, I haven't had a chance to really ask him about that day. Um, I think, if I can remember correctly, the, the police department told me that his alibi for that day was him working. But I could be wrong. I think that's what they told me. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like he was at work and that it was just impossible for him to have done anything. Okay, did um to your knowledge did he live close to where Deborah was living at the time? Um how do you think he would have felt being that they were still married? Probably not going to get together back together, but who knows. How do you think he would have felt if he knew that um Andy went over there and burned all her clothes and then Deborah was going to be meeting Andy, you know, do you think that Tracy might be jealous? Or, or do you think that he had already moved on to some other woman or just kind of moved on, period? What do you think? I, I think, honestly, that it was just a jealousy thing um, because my dad was with her for so long. And then she married this other guy and then they had a child together. Mm -hmm. And she the way she was feeling at the time was is, well, you two can fight all you want, but you're both kids to my my kids, dads. And so, therefore, I'm not going to delete either of you out of my life. You're both going to be in my life because we have children together and I'm not going to keep your kids away from you, mm -hmm. but I don't want to be with you type thing. Right. 
But do you think there was any jealousy going on between Tracy and Andy or Andy and Tracy being that one's the ex and one's the current? Oh, sure. I mean, that's mm-hmm. any man. I mean, right. If, if you're been with a woman and you still want to be with her, then yeah, I'm mm-hmm. sure there was jealousy. Okay. Yeah. We do have to talk about an incident that Deborah and, and Tracy got into, and it's a shooting story. Uh, a gun was fired. Please explain to the listeners what happened and how long was this before Deborah disappeared? Um, it was a few months before she disappeared. Um, my stepdad pressed charges on her saying that she shot him. Um, but it turned out that the situation there was is my stepfather shot himself in the leg and and then he called the police and told them that she done it. Um, there was a court date scheduled for a month after she went missing for them to have their first court appearance on this this issue. Um, there has been conversations where he has said that he did shoot himself in the leg, that she did not do it. Mm-hmm. Um, as to why, I don't know. I don't understand why you would do that, but he did. Um, and so it's just kind of... It was something that never made it to court, so it was never on document of what actually happened with that. Okay. So because she went missing, this this court date didn't have to be met. Uh, I'm thinking that if he did shoot himself and then blamed it on her, there's probably going to be some charges there. Uh, could you see that making her disappear would might be a motive in Tracy's mind to make her disappear, so he might not have to do some jail time? For that could be could be okay that's uh that's a crazy story courtney that is true <laughs> could you uh once again i know you're two years old do your do your aunts and uncles dismiss the idea that deborah ever could have shot tracy um they don't think she was she was she was crazy but she wasn't that crazy okay. she would not she would not want to shoot somebody else type of thing <laughs> Okay. And um, not even in se- – I, mean, I guess this isn't even a self-defense type of uh, situation. She didn't try to claim that. She was actually given charges of what were that? What were the charges that were filed against her for him shooting her, he, her shooting him? I don't remember what the charges actually were. Um, I know that she at the time had owned a gun. And for for the very reason of self-defense, but that she had never actually shot anybody with it. Um, she was, by, by my understanding, she was kind of scared to even own the gun because she didn't mm-hmm. want it. It was just for protection, and mm-hmm. then that came about. And so I guess it was just kind of a situation where I had it, but I wasn't really going to use it unless necessary. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I don't think that was the case here. I don't, I really don't. Okay. We just don't know, um, but being that uh, it seems afterwards Tracy kind of did admit that he shot himself. Yes. He did admit that he shot himself. Okay. So that happened not too long before she disappeared. So we have that going on. We have some things going on with your father. Uh, we have your Aunt Teresa. Um, the way you understand it, has her story been consistent? this whole entire time about what she remembers about that day? No. um, Actually, it has changed three different times. Please explain. Um, 
the first time she said nothing about Homer at all. Nothing. Homer was never mentioned in this situation whatsoever. When I asked her several months ago, it's been just several months ago, I mm-hmm. asked her what happened that day, and she told me that Homer was asleep in the bed. Well, the second time I asked her, it was, um, no, it was a situation where she had said once that he was asleep in the bed. That was the very first thing. Then she mm-hmm. told me that he was asleep on the couch. Then I asked her again just a month or so ago what actually happened that day. I wanted to just regroup and try again. Mm -hmm. And she told me that when she got up that morning, both my mom and Homer were both gone. And I asked her, is it possible that Homer could have done something? And she said, absolutely. Because he was not there when I got up and neither was your mom. Even though in those two other times she said that he was there. Yes. And she, and just to be clear, he was there. Deborah was gone. Right. Okay. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I understand 25 years later, but I think you'd remember if somebody was there or not, especially since it's your sister, and especially since I'm sure that she has been asked that question many times before you asked it to her. Yes. You know, if – um. Of course, it would be Teresa's also her siblings who took an interest in Deborah's disappearance asking her. You'd think that the the answer would be straight, it would be consistent, you know, but it's it seems to me what you're telling everybody is that it's not. Okay. Now we may uh find out why that is here in a bit. Um, do you know if the police ever talked to Homer about that day? They did not. They did not find it relevant that he was not a suspect in the situation. Okay. And I, maybe I should just state it now that Homer uh, is dead. He's been dead for, I think, since 2010 or 2011, so it's been a while. But when you first got involved in this 10 years ago, uh, he might have still been alive. Did you ever try to track him down? Um, I did, but that was when I discovered that he had already passed. Oh, by the time you got into it, he had already passed. Okay. Um, ever had a chance to talk to anybody else in his family, any maybe an ex-wife or anything like that? In the- um, I've gotten a few names of his family, but I've I've not really had the the time to actually speak with them. Plus, it's kind of a tough subject. You don't really want to contact those family members of the deceased. Mm-hmm. And ask them questions about something like this. It's just, it, it's hard to do that. It, that is true. Uh, but on right here on public, I will tell you, sometimes uh, I'm here to tell you that usually like ex-wives can usually be a very excellent source of information. You know, no hell hath, no fury like a woman scorned. So you might think about that. Maybe not, maybe not necessarily blood family members, but if you could track down an ex-wife, and we know that he has a couple of them. Um, that might, that might be a, a useful source of information to see if he ever did talk about the day that where he was the day that, you know, Deborah disappeared, you know, in a house he was staying at, but we need to go farther into this. Do you believe, and I, I need to ask you how you heard this, uh, was there a relationship going on between your mother and Homer? Um, <clears throat> uh, it's tough. I was told that they were all three sleeping in the same bed. Okay, hold on. You're going to have to explain all three. Who who are all three? 
my dad, or not my dad, um, Homer, Teresa, and my mom were all sleeping in the same bed. Um, my mom, she was just kind of wanting to be alone, kind of independent. Homer had feelings for my mom. She did not have those same feelings for him. Uh -huh. he, and then my Aunt Teresa had feelings for Homer, but he did not have the same feelings for her. I have to ask, how do you know this? Um, mostly family. Um, I've been told by a lot of the family members on both my mom's side and my dad's side that that was the case there. Okay. So we maybe had, if we're to believe it, once again, listeners have to remember, Courtney was only two at the time. It would be much easier for her to talk about these things if she was 15 at the time, and then she could have seen it for herself. Um, but So there might have been uh, some sort of love triangle going on in that house after Homer moved in. Correct. Okay. Are you sure? I mean, I just have to ask these, even though this is uh, maybe sounds like a stupid question. Are you sure they just weren't doing that? Because it sounds like that house was was uh, cramped in the first place. Um. Well, no, because if there's a couch, then he could have slept on the couch. Okay. Okay. And do you have any idea how anybody would even know that the three of them were sleeping? I mean, in in the same bed together. Of course, Deborah. Maybe Deborah told them before yeah, she I'm disappeared. So. Deborah maybe told them before she disappeared. Yes. Okay. Yes, that sounds like a very complicated situation in that house, and um, as you've already stated, and I kind of uh, previewed it in my synopsis before this interview, is that Homer is kind of the unspoken guy in all of this for twenty-five years. Yes. He's he's been like forgotten. People know about, of course, your aunt who was living there. Of course, know about your father, uh, Andy. We know about Tracy, but here we have another adult who is in who was also right in the middle of all of this, sleeping in the same bed as your mother, possibly your aunt too. But somehow he's been able to avoid any news reports or any, you know. Any um, synopsises of this disappearance? Very interesting. He, he has literally avoided everything involved with this. Like, there's no mention of him in a lot of the areas. Like, there's yeah. nothing. When did when you started into this? When did you uh, first hear about him? Do you remember? It it really was not long. I couldn't tell you an exact timing, but it was not long once I started looking into this that I found out that he was also in the home too. Okay. Okay. Let's move on so the people know about that. And it may be, I'm just going to say it so you don't have to, is that if Teresa's stories have not been consistent over the years, maybe it could have be for the reason that 25 years ago she did have a thing for Homer and maybe didn't want to get him in trouble, didn't want to say anything bad about him. And so when that happens, stories will waver. Uh, what job did he have at the time? I'm not really sure. All I know is he drove a van. Okay, and you already explained that this van is the one that uh, Deborah used to take a couple of her kids to school. Correct. Okay. Do you know if this van was searched after she disappeared? It was not. Okay. And you don't even think that... 
uh, the police even talked to him back then? No. Okay. They never mentioned it once about speaking with him. I was literally told that he was not relevant in the situation. Okay, so the the times that you've talked to the police over the last 10 years since you got involved in this, when his name has come up, they've dismissed it. Exactly. Have they given you a reason why they dismiss it? No, it's it's been more so pointing the finger at my dad or stepdad. It's never been a situation where Homer could have even possibly done anything. Do you think that the police know that there was this alleged love triangle going on inside that house? Do they know about that? I believe so. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't understand that, but okay. Um, after the disappearance, as far as you've been able to tell, um, did he do anything with his life? Uh, do you have any run-ins with the law? Anything that you've been able to learn about him? And I know that uh, Emily has been able to get some information regarding him, my assistant. Um, but what did you learn about him after you heard, first started to hear about him? Well, I learned that he had an ex I want to say ex-girlfriend because I don't think they were married mm-hmm. about the situation that happened there and their child being murdered. Um, and then All right, you're also... gonna, we just can't talk about murder without talking about it a little bit. This was before Deborah disappeared. This was in the 1980s. His girlfriend or wife at the time killed their daughter. Correct. Okay. Um, and that was a situation where he was at work and um, she had called him from work and told him that the baby wasn't breathing, that there was blood everywhere. Mm-hmm. And when he got into the home, there was blood everywhere and the baby was not breathing. He tried to resuscitate the baby with no luck and they later found out that the baby had passed. And it was from mm-hmm. extensive abuse from the mother. Okay. Just to be clear, though. Homer was not involved. He did not murder his daughter, just to be clear. No. All right. He, he was more of – in fact, I've looked at that court case. He was more of a um, a witness. You know, They talked to him about her. He was not – this did not happen uh, when he was there. Okay, But I'm talking about uh, problems that he got into. Uh-huh. Um, there was definitely some, some assault charges or some, something along those lines where it was – um pretty pretty bad i want to say by what i read um Mm -hmm. it was like an uh i can't remember the exact word they used but it was more or less like a a pretty um pretty bad assault charge that he got and it was several of those that he got Mm -hmm. yes and still do you think that the police know about those charges i'm sure they do okay well i wouldn't take that for granted so um, you know, next time you talk to him, you might want to specifically, do you know that Homer had these charges against him? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know? Because never take that the police know anything. Don't take any, don't take it for granted that they actually know these things, especially since the case is 25 years old. That's just a word of advice. Um, so he wasn't able to stay out of trouble. He has a criminal record. Um, we don't know if he ever talked about Deborah's disappearance. Did, to your knowledge, did Homer know Tracy and Andy? Um, I do know that he knew Andy, but um, I'm not really sure about Tracy. I'm assuming he did because all of them knew each other. Um, 
they all ran with the same people. They knew the same people. So I feel like he probably knew him as well. Okay. But I've never really had the chance to ask him. Okay. And we've already stated he is dead now. Correct. All right, so we can't even ask him uh, any questions. He's been dead for a while. I know that you and I uh, actually this morning talked a little bit about how he might have died. We're not really sure about that, are we? No. No. Could be a uh, – we're not really sure. Okay. Have you, since you started learning about Homer and being told that – being told that there might have been some sort of love triangle where your aunt has something for Homer, uh, but he's not interested in her. He instead is inter interested in Deborah. When you learned about this, have you ever asked your aunt about this? Did she have a thing for Homer, and what has she said? No, I have not asked her about that. Um, and it was because I had recently found out that my other aunt, another one of my mom's sisters, had been with Homer before. They had dated for a while. Um, and with that, I also found out that he was abusive towards her. He used to beat her up all the time. So I didn't really want to ask that question. Mm -hmm. I kind of felt like maybe it would strike a nerve or something because he was going after everybody but her and the family pretty much. <laughs> okay. Do you think uh, – I have to ask, being that um, he abused another one of his sisters, we're not going to name her. I, I, you've already told her name, and we're not going to use her name. Um. Do you think Deborah knew that when she allowed him to come into the house and stay there? Possibly, yes. And, he, and she did so anyway? Uh, apparently. <laughs> okay. She may, uh, I mean, she may not have known anything about it, but I mean, that okay. would be something that I would want to know about one of my sisters right. if somebody was physically abusing them, but I not think, everybody's like that. Right. And I have to say, in the last 25 years, it does seem like things have changed regarding that, too. Yeah. seem that um, the, our society is a little more open about that, and women are, feel much safer to talk about it. And that's why I, I – you know, at least the statistics show that um, violence is down in the United States, probably a lot because we talk about a lot more, and we treat it differently now. Um, and it's possible that she didn't know, but we now can assert, if these things are true, that Homer um, was in some kind of relationship with one of your mother's other sisters, and it was violent. And then he goes into this house, and he's sleeping in the same bed. Whether Teresa was in there or not, he was sleeping in the same bed with your mother. Correct. And here he was. He was just beating up on one of her sisters not long before that. Let's say a year before or something. Correct. Okay. Wow. Okay. But somehow, after 25 years, nobody's ever talked about him. Nope. Not at all. That's hard to believe. And his, and by the way, listeners should know that his last name is spelled P-E-R-D-U-E. Not like the university, but P E R. DUE like the chicken company, I think it is. Okay, so we have all this. We have a lot of um, information here that has not come out before, and it's specifically a name. What has this been like for you, Courtney, over the last 
Of course, you were raised by your father. I, I, I know that um, he continued to get in trouble even after your mother disappeared. That couldn't have been easy on you or the other kids. And I, I really don't want to get into that too much. I know it couldn't have been easy for you. But you decided as a teenager, late in your teenage years, to take uh, to get into this. And what's it been like? It's been rough um, because it's not just about the facts. It's about what you hear as well. Mm -hmm. um, and you have to take everything each one of them say and you either take it and run with it or you just completely avoid it. Because there's things that you don't want to hear, but they are real. And then there's things that you don't want to hear that aren't real. And it's it's hard to decipher each of those because you don't want to believe that people that you know would have done such things to your mother, but they did. And they might not all be true, but some of them will be true. Mm -hmm. And that alone is one of the hardest parts is not knowing what's true and what's not. And then facing the reality of you may never know who she is. And what do your uh, aunts and uncles, excluding Teresa because she's a little more intimately involved in all of this, but when you have get-togethers, maybe Christmas and things, does Deborah's uh, name come up? Do, they, do you talk about her? It does. Um, mostly on Christmas. Um, sometimes on Thanksgiving. Just It just really depends on the holiday and such. But, I mean, she is brought up. Um, a lot of the family members, you know, they... They make certain ornaments for the tree each year that go on their tree in remembrance of her. Um, and then you have, like, you know, the conversations of everybody wishing she was still around and that things were the way they used to be, pretty much. Because I was told, you know, my mom was the one who held the family together. She was the backbone to our family. And once she disappeared, everything fell apart. So it's it's just rough. It's really rough. Yeah. Have any of your brothers or, or your aunts and uncles ever said something like, well, you know, Courtney, you look a lot like – I don't personally know what you look like. Do you look a lot like your mother? Do you have any mannerisms? Does any, like, anything like that come up over the years? All the time, um, especially from her side of the family. I've even had some of her friends say how much I look like her. Um, as Even down to my, my personality, they say I act a lot like her, that when, when I'm – headstrong on getting something done i don't i don't stop until it's done um mm -hmm. and she was the same way mm -hmm. okay and it should be noted that over the years of you working on this and everything your family is somewhat divided on what they think happened yes and in fact i i know uh that even your husband I know is I mean maybe we should talk about him for a second he's been very supportive of you haven't he because I know that when we've talked He's always sitting there in the background, you know, taking an interest in this. Yes, he, he's very, very into this, just as much as I am. I would have to say he is one of the few, even within some of my mom's family, he is one of the few that is as involved as I am uh -huh. and willing to go to whatever we have to go to to get it done. Like, to wow. figure this thing out, he's like, sometimes I think he's even more into it than I am. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I know he... I remember the the couple conversations uh, that we've had, maybe the one we had a couple days ago that, um, you know, he was sitting in the background, you know, right with you. And that's great. That's great. And he has his own theories about what happened. And I think they're 
somewhat in line with mine, but I'll just leave that out of it for now. But getting back to your family, their opinions on what happened to her vary. Yes. Okay. But the overall idea is that there's no way that she ran off by herself. Correct. All right. They believe that something bad happened. Yes. Okay. But they differ on what they, uh, what they believe happened in that house on September 26, 1994. Okay. Okay. Do you have a Facebook page or something like that set up for your mother? I do. Um, it is under bring me home and then it has her name on it. Deborah Jean Asbury. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's on Facebook. Uh, anything else? I know that she's of course on the Charlie project, uh, site, and I'm hoping that uh, my friend Megan will update to maybe put Homer Purdue's name in there so we can kind of get that out there now. You know, that's how, that's how this all gets started. When you come across somebody new who hasn't been mentioned for 25 years, it starts one place and can spread to others. So, and I know she's on NamUs. Anything, anything else, any articles, uh, written on her? Um, Fox 8 has a news broadcast that we done about a month or so ago. It might've been almost two months ago. Um, mm -hmm. so there's a link that is actually on the bring me home page that goes to the Fox eight post. Um, and then there's several, several newspaper clippings that you can just Google her name and find. Okay, great. Great. Any last words, Courtney, before we complete this interview? No, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Well, I appreciate you being on this episode of Unfound, and I, I want to thank you, and I've already done that in the episode because I've recorded the first part of this, but I appreciate you being so ready to do this interview in su on such short notice. Okay. Well, I, I, I appreciate you doing this for us. This is a, well, you're very a welcome. Thing. You're very welcome. Um, but I, I have to be honest, usually I give guests a little longer to look at uh, the outline, but um, – I appreciate you that you looked at it very quickly, and then we talked a little bit this morning, and then we were able to put this interview together for this night. So I, I appreciate um, uh, making time. You know, when we it could have been a little more drawn out under more regular circumstances. So I appreciate it. Well, kind of in the situation, you know, you don't you don't really you don't think as time as a a factor in the situation you you get something and you run with it or you just you throw it away and the way i feel about it is is i'm taking it and i'm running with it so okay great great well i know that um we're gonna know each other for a long time whether your mother's case gets solved tomorrow or next week or next year uh, i can assure you that we're gonna know each other for a while and unfound will always be here for you courtney you know to help well i do appreciate it Thank you. And thank you for appearing on this episode of Unfound. No problem. And that was my interview with Courtney Patterson, daughter of Deborah Asbury. I thank her for being on this episode. Sometimes these interviews aren't just ways to get the information to the public. Sometimes, and I think a good example is this one, these interviews serve as a way for the guests to find out how much data they really do have. And also they find out new directions they might try to get those facts they don't have. For Courtney, she kind of expressed to me the feeling that she wished she knew more and also wished she didn't have to take other people's word on so much. I told her, this is a learning experience. 
She was only two years old when her mother disappeared. I told her that all she can do is figure out where the missing parts are in Deborah's disappearance and try to fill them in as best she can. So what are the missing parts? To me, they mostly center on Homer Purdue. And I have two main questions. Number one, why didn't the police consider him more of a suspect? You heard in this interview some very good reasons for him to be put on the suspect list. Is it possible there is a solid alibi he has for that morning that Courtney doesn't know about? Is it possible he was actually still in the house when Teresa got up and Deborah had already disappeared? Could these be the reasons the police dismissed him? Or were the police incompetent? And question number two, and this is almost a bigger deal, how is it possible for his name to be unmentioned for so long? Because he wasn't a secret to Deborah's family, they knew about him staying at her house, in fact, sleeping in the same bed as Deborah. So why didn't anyone else, including the media who have covered Deborah's case a few times over the last 25 years? I don't have an answer to that. But Courtney should take some time to try to figure that out. Granted, Homer may have nothing to do with Deborah's disappearance, but he certainly deserves as much scrutiny as Andy and Tracy have gotten over the last 25 years. Right about now, some of you may be saying, but Ed, Homer's dead now. True, but his work van probably isn't. I'll leave the rest of the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to the app that you use to listen to Unfound and give this podcast a nice review. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've been listening to Unfound.